Welcome, reanimated fans, to this week's episode. I am H.A. Conrad coming to you from Brooklyn. On the other side of the universe is my intrepid co host, Stuart Tiffin. Hello, Stuart. Yo, hey, good morning. Yep, and we are going to be talking about a couple of news items, uh, one of which, of course, um, was announced immediately after we recorded last week, um, and that about Army of the Dead, and then we're going to do a uh, kind of a review recap of uh, The Walking Dead, uh, which is back, and we are really psyched that it is back for those of you who have been following us. There's been a dearth of some some zombie fodder lately, so we're pretty excited about this. Um, it's been a tough first quarter of 2020. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, But before we talk about that, let's talk about what's going on in COVID world. And I am happy to say that uh, because of my asthma, I have gotten the first vaccine, so or the first dose of it anyway. Um, And I got the Moderna. And I have to say it was kind of crazy to try to get an appointment. But um, because of some really amazing coders and other people that put together this thing, um, called uh, NYC Vaccine List. It basically tracked, you know, when new appointments and stuff opened up, and so I managed to get one. Um, and is this like a third party, not developed by the government? Correct. Oh, that is smart. So it's just it's just like crawling through uh-huh. the the appointment website. Um, and they did it, you know, and they there's been a few news articles about the the guys that did this, and I should give them credit. And I feel bad that I don't remember the names, but um, basically. You can look for all the different regions in New York, and um, it even says, oh, this information has been stale because the sites haven't updated it in like 30 minutes or so. Um, and so, and then, you know, the minute that you basically find an appointment, uh, you you get taken to the actual New York website to be able to schedule it. And, you know, I, I definitely... As you know, I I wasn't making this my second job, but I was definitely keeping track of it. So um, a bunch of appointments opened up randomly on Thursday, and so that's how I got it. And it was um, at uh, like a downtown Manhattan site. And I will say that everything ran like clockwork. Once I got there, they tell you not to show up um, more than five minutes ahead of your appointment. So I did that, and it was literally like I was in and out of there less than like 20 minutes. Um, That's great. So, and, you know, everybody's super friendly there and working hard and, like, lots of really incredible people making this happen. Um, and, you know, they do make you sit. And most of the 20 minutes was just the you're supposed to, to wait um, for 15 minutes to make sure you don't have any kind of reaction to it. So yeah. that was the biggest part of the whole That's thing. the longest part of the wait. Yeah. Cool. And so that was pretty cool. Um, so far, this is the Moderna vaccine. And so far... No side effects other than a super sore arm, but kind of like a flu vaccine. So it's it feels similar to that. Um, yeah. I do I do know <laughs> that the second dose of Moderna is supposed to have uh, many more side effects, and I know this from my healthcare worker friends who have gotten it. Uh, so, oh, and yeah, I can tell you from living with a second dose recipient, uh, it's been a rough week and a half. Yep. <laughs> It's so I'm not, I'm, I'm a little, uh, so she, she got Moderna too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's apparently it's Moderna specifically Pfizer has some, but not apparently Moderna's effects are higher and they think in part it's because of the vaccine amount that they're using. But, um, in any case, that's where I am. That's what I got. So I'm going to deal with it down the road. Um, but but we're getting there. There is a light. I, I do think everything, I think it's going to get better and more access soon, hopefully. So, 
Um, all right. Do you want to talk about our, our bit of news today? <laughs> so in addition to the trailer for Army of the Dead releasing last Sunday, we also got a release date of May 21st. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, encouraging considering the last thing we heard was summer. And, and then uh, so coming out on in May, is that even Memorial Day weekend? It might be. I'm not sure um, when that falls. I think that's before Memorial Day weekend. But it probably is done to capture Memorial Day weekend, right? Yeah. Uh, either way, that's that's very exciting, and uh, the trailer, the trailer is pretty splashy looking. I'd say uh, there's is very little dialogue in the trailer. There's one slow motion shot of Dave Batista. Uh, what were your impressions from the trailer? Um, you know, I had some very world war z feelings about it especially some of those big massive cgi shots i don't know if you did but that's what it kind of felt like to me like they yeah. were trying to cut in some impressive things to try to make it see like it didn't look very good though i will say so like you see this strip of vegas and you see all these people or walkers whatever you want to call them zombies um but very little detail it's sort of like um, it doesn't, it doesn't look quite like what I expect, but it, you know, it also doesn't surprise me. It's a Zack Snyder film. So he's trying to, you know, be as, I don't know, be as splashy as possible. Um, there was one scene, um, the, there's a, like a big establishing CG shot over the Las Vegas sign of the huge swarm, mm -hmm. which is, I think one of the things you're referring to. That also looked a lot to me like some of the shots from the roof of the mall in Dawn of the Dead when mm. all the zombies were gathered. Oh, yeah, definitely. I got that vibe, too. Yeah, uh, because there's also a truck that's on fire in the middle yep. of the crowd. And if like when the yeah, they did that whole propane tank explosion trick to get through the crowd. Yeah, um, I wonder if we're going to see some some more stuff like that. Either way, I. It's it, this is more of a teaser trailer than yeah, a real trailer, definitely. but I'm I, I'm glad I don't want to really. I mean, we know the plot is a, a bank heist in a yep. zombie apocalypse, where you know, not unlike Peninsula, yeah, we're already kind of like, say. what uh, what are we doing with money during the zombie apocalypse, everybody? So we'll have to, we, I guess we'll have to hope that it doesn't feel as pointless. <laughs> I mean, in Peninsula, I thought it did make sense because it was a contained scenario right, right? Uh, the zombie apocalypse is only on the korean peninsula and nowhere else yet right. <laughs> um so it makes sense that there would still be a need for cash outside of that but if this is more widespread than that and it's hard to believe that nevada is going to be able to contain in the, all of its vast desert wasteland <laughs> yeah. contain a zombie apocalypse so. well and look the the cast looks pretty i mean it's like dave batista um, Omari Hardwick, uh, Tig Notaro, though I don't know how much she's actually in it. Um, she's just like a helicopter pilot in it. Yeah. And then, but it's got Garrett Dillahunt, though. I don't, again, yep. I don't know how, like, so these things give me some hope that at least I'll find it, I don't know, somewhat enjoyable. Um, but, you know, I think, look, the thing about that about Zack Snyder, uh, and I've said this probably, you're probably sick of hearing it, is that I think he, he's really good at actually setting up, like, the visuals and and he's got an eye for art direction and um, just really, like, and that, like, Dawn of the Dead, I felt that too. Um, he needs a little bit more help with the storytelling side of things um, when it gets down to the real meat of storytelling. I don't, haha, so to speak. Um, 
like I feel like he needs somebody else pitching in to be able to do it successfully. Yeah. Um, and you know, I I think visually he's great, um, and he has a good like a good feel for sort of the the um, choreography and and things like that. I mean, I think that if even Watchmen, even people who didn't like it, even fans who didn't like it, had to admit that he did like from a visual perspective, he did create a world that does feel remarkably like the graphic novel. Um, but the storytelling side of it, he kind of missed the point. And um, I think the director's cut, he did a little better with that. But with something like this, which is an original script, he doesn't even have that material to kind of go on. Um, so I'm just, I'm looking at it with a grain of salt. I will obviously enjoy it. If it ends up just being one of those sort of big action, sort of fun crazy things. I don't know. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue. I'll enjoy it as, as well as the next person. But, um, oh, and I guess we can point out that Don the Dead, he also had original material to deal with too. So, um, and the things that we've been hearing about this, just sort of the back and forth makes me a little bit skeptical about what will actually hit <laughs> the theaters and what it will be like, but you yeah. know, I'm sure it'll be a fun romp. Um, I mean, taking Dawn of the Dead <clears throat> to the Romero vision of, you know, gross, over yeah. uh, capitalism and everything, and making it into and greed, <laughs> and, and making it into what he did. I thought I don't know if he had a lot of other hands on the wheel when he was making that film because that was pretty early in his career, early-ish. Um, I think he did an amazing job. He he definitely did strip away a lot of the moralizing stuff that well, Romero yeah. tends to bring to a project. Uh, there wasn't a lot, as I recall, of that like commercial disapproval <laughs> that Romero brings to a project, the the anti-greed moralizing. But there was still a really great ensemble story. Oh, there. I think there were some really great things in it. Um, and I do think he had a little bit of that stuff with specific characters that was definitely like judgy about mm -hmm. them. And he had a lot of the tropes in there. And, and I mean, he gets it to some extent, but... Again, he had source material to deal with and to base it on, and so this is not bad. And so yeah. we'll we'll see what happens here. Um, again, I like a lot of the people in this cast, so I'm hoping it's it's going to be just fun, and maybe that's what it is. Um, but uh, but we'll see. And again, I'm not I'm not going to be like I'm certainly going to watch it. So there's no question about that. Um, but yeah, that's about that's about all I will say about this for now. I'm I'm curious to see because I watched a couple of the different because Netflix put out some stills and some other stuff and it was interesting to see what they pulled out. Um, and you know the longer trailer is just definitely like more of a teaser. Um, so I think maybe more to come. We're now in what we're we're just at the end of February. So the fact that I'm sure they will will release a little bit more here and there as we go. But you also don't want to release too much in terms of teasers um, yeah. for a film like this. So yeah, I think we'll have one more. I hope just one more. Yeah, I don't and want then, more than that. Agreed. And then we'll be ready to go. Um, yeah. So far, I, I like what I'm seeing. It is obviously going to be super CG heavy. Uh, at least in the any exterior shots that they do, every almost every shot here was um, was exterior except for the inside of casino. Running over the uh, craps tables, uh, yeah, I'm excited. So let's like bring it on. Let's see it. Yep. And then uh, let's talk. I guess to let's talk about episode 17 of season 10 of The Walking Dead. Yeah, home sweet. So home. crazy to have uh, you know five more after this. Yep. 
Home sweet home. Yeah. And did uh, did you watch it on AMC Plus, I assume? Yeah. Yeah. So you got the little Angela Kang thing at the end? Yep. Um, I, you know, it's it's interesting to see. I really like her a lot. And, you know, I think that this episode went kind of how I thought it would go. Um, but let's talk about it a little bit. You thought you had a feeling of how this was going to go? Yeah, with the, the coming, the, you know... Um, with Maggie's homecoming, I kind of thought this was about right. Um, you know, you and I have talked a lot about what would happen when she comes back and the Negan Maggie yeah. conflict. I mean, I, I mean that's I not really shocking. I really thought she would have more misgivings about getting Rick killed or having a, a a hand in breaking down of society that led to his death. Right. But well, they don't deal with that nope. at all. I kind of we know he's not dead, but they all should think he's dead, and she should feel really bad that her that her hatred of Negan led to the death slash disappearance of Rick, and that is a hundred percent not in here. And so I I don't think it went the way I was hoping. I would have thought somebody would be up in her face, being like, "I've been looking for Rick on every riverbank for the last five years." when are you going to pay, you know, for your part in this? Because Daryl is way too soft and fluffy uh, in, in terms of that part of the story to me. He, he talks about some people are just gone. I think that's the only time that they even even remotely address it. Because yep. I think he's he's referring to his search for Rick when they're talking about looking for Connie. Yep. But that they don't ever actually say his name or, no. or anything. Well, the reason why I thought it would go this way is that, you know, we're going to you're going to try to, like, drum up the the tension about the Negan her thing without her ever, as you said, answering for her part in what happened uh, with Rick. And maybe it would have been a little different if Michonne had been back here. Um, But maybe that's part of why they didn't do it. But I I agree with you. I was there was when she they had her and Daryl talking. I kind of thought he was going to. Basically, I don't want to say lay down the law, but kind of say say what everybody was thinking, and he didn't. So maybe that's coming further down the road. Um, well, maybe not. Not everybody else is thinking about it this way. You know, if the people who are closer to it, maybe they don't see how her actions caused that rift in the community that led to him. Well, getting well, actually, Daryl was the one who physically drove him in the wrong direction, right? Which ended up right. in, with him getting having to face down a, a zombie horde by himself. Right. Uh, but, but Maggie had put that in motion with Daryl. Like it, it was their plan together. But yeah, yeah it's, it's just weird to me that Daryl wouldn't say, so how are you doing with the whole, you know, we got Rick killed thing. Do you feel bad about that at all? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Nope. Um, and they've got, you know, a little bit of a, I don't know, like, you know, she came to, to into the community. She and her two people, help Cole and Elijah, you know, helped at the end of that crazy scene. Um, well, Elijah, it was just her and Elijah at first. Oh, and then Cole, I think, has like rejoined them the day after. This does appear to take up right after the end of 16. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a little bit of uh, other cast members cleaning up debris with that cart when she has the face down with Negan, the face off. Yeah, but it's it's not really super clear, but it does seem like she and Elijah showed up and saved everybody's butts at the hospital. Right. Um, And then Cole has shown up today or hours later, having walked there from wherever they were holed up 
because uh, it turns out she's come with a whole bunch, not a whole bunch. There were like seven of them, and most of them are now dead by the end of this episode. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, so it's and <laughs> I had such a bad feeling about Cole. Me that too. I was convinced he was the he was the Reaper or something. Uh, yeah, he almost was protesting a little too much. It felt that way, like just the way he they were having him interject. I thought the same thing. And why did he abandon, if he's like a capable fighter, which he kind of, they try to make him seem like one, Mm -hmm. why did he abandon this group of plebs who they left in the woods? Because everybody else seems to be just kind of like zombie fodder. They're really nice, but they're not, there's no steely-eyed killers amongst them, right? No. Um, And even Elijah is like clearly dealing with some PTSD. (laughs) And I mean, I kept waiting for somebody to, you know, Elijah's the character that is wearing the crazy mask, man in the iron mask thing. And I kept thinking that somebody was going to be like, dude, what's going on with your mask? And nobody did. How's your peripheral vision in that thing, bro? Right. Like, it just seems like a very strange, the whole thing. And um, you know, in the in the world of COVID, I'm like, oh, he's just being extra safe. I don't know. Um, but yeah. but I don't that know if was... you noticed at the very end of the episode, two more of Maggie's people come into camp with them besides Elijah and Cole. Did you notice Yes, them? I noticed that. They're, they're yeah. archers and they're both wearing masks. And I was just like, are those COVID masks or are we just are all her people into face covering? It's just, just a thing. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that they have her you know it's interesting because you know you you know that they're going to play up the Negan angle um but remember she had the chance to kill him and she didn't ultimately and and left and so you know at some point like that tension to me is sort of boring it's sort of a dumb thing i mean i think they do need to resolve it quickly right yes um and but she left she didn't kill him because she felt like he was already pathetic because yeah. he was crying to her, but he was also in jail, and she thought he was going to stay there and rot. And Maybe. So for him to be out of jail. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's one of those things where, uh, look, he the way that Glenn was killed, I can't say that anybody would, that would be a almost impossible thing to forgive, especially. Yeah. Um, and it shouldn't, honestly, it shouldn't just be a thing for, that's hard for her to forgive, but maybe for everybody who was there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and who watched that. And you know, I think and Abraham, who was a major part of the right, community, also like, like it's not. It, it, there's more than there's a lot going on here. It shouldn't just be. Um, but Maggie, especially for for obvious reasons, is the main person that they're going to deal with those feelings. And um, she's got uh, little Herschel, who's pretty cute, but has aged up seemingly pretty quickly. Though I guess that makes sense if you think about the time passage here. But um, you know, and so she's got that stuff too, and. Like that baggage and those things that need to be resolved. But in this world, I mean, look, we've got even the stories that that Maggie is telling to Daryl about what happened to her and and why. Um, The main sort of narrative that we're seeing here is that there are these communities, much like Alexandria, much like Hilltop, um, in other places. And it almost seems like no matter what you do, you get some weird group of people that tries to take everybody down, (laughs) whether it's the whispers or... Um, the reapers, the reapers now. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I do think that is sort of, I don't want to say lazy, but one of the things I am growing a little bit tired of is having um, the, the big bad, so to speak, um, suddenly become, and I guess maybe this is a psychological thing, but having the big bad suddenly become omnipotent. And in this case, um, 
when Maggie and her people and Daryl and Kelly go to like go basically fetch Herschel and the other people and bring them back, um, they are you know they discover that the camp that Herschel and the others have been in has been burned. So a couple people have died, and when they go off to look for them, the person there, there's only apparently one person causing yeah. all this, which feels a little like it feels like a stretch, right? Like no matter how powerful mm. or how great of and and by the way did you get like i totally got predator vibes off of this guy that they got in the woods like it felt like he should just be a big alien dude underneath all that camouflage <laughs> i was kind of excited to see some crazy predator effects and then it would totally change the whole thing of this show um, <laughs> no, but yeah he, he's definitely a large man yeah um, um when he shows up finally but he's got like but the, i think one person could have done this he could light their base on fire and then he's been hunting them in the woods overnight, right? But he hasn't actually gotten anybody else, in theory, until Maggie gets there. So he hasn't been doing too much. I, it's just sort of the way they build it up. And it, and it's like, okay, how many times are we going to do this? And um, it is interesting to have Negan in the mix um, at Alexandria because he was the one who ran this whole this whole network so he so it's sort of like using his inside information which is kind of what they did with the whispers he knows how these organizations work he becomes an ally and he becomes a strength to them because he knows this and so i find that to be kind of interesting and i'm guessing that that's what they're gonna maybe do with that hopefully um but we already kind of did it with the whispers, so I hope it would be something different. Yeah, but I I, like with the whispers, it wasn't really his institutional knowledge of how baddies work, so much as the fact that they had people on the inside, didn't they? Yeah, they had the yeah they had that doctor guy on the inside telling the whispers that Negan was a bad like a guy that they were all scared of, and so when he shows up with them, when he mm-hmm. shows up at the whispers camp. They are like, yo, you can come with us because yeah, he already yeah, had that. Yeah, but cachet. he definitely got like, uh, he definitely understood how that whole thing worked, why they worshipped yeah. the people they did, how they and were he getting used that information to get close to them. Not, yeah. but yeah, like, but I, I don't disagree that he he probably can be like also a source of intel for the Alexandrians, and. <sighs> I, honestly, I'm just like watching that episode yesterday. I was like, well, how, what bad luck that he's wearing his stupid evil leather jacket when he meets Maggie, too. Because I don't feel like he wears it all the time. No. But he's, wearing, he's totally wearing his Negan jacket. Yep. And then the next time you see him, he looks like a carpenter. Yep. Uh, and he's wearing like Carhartt or something. Yeah, he's just wearing like a little waffle, like base layer or something like that he needs um, to he needs to get rid of that uh the leather jacket he loves that coat though and it's you know no. i know that this is a newer version of it but it is in rather pristine condition considering um he got it off a rack right the, yeah, yeah, yeah. From the store. yeah but he's still you know these people are not bathing all the time and they're out in the dirt and stuff so. yeah um but anyway so like but i also thought it was quite telling and interesting when maggie's recounting to daryl in that container um, how every time she would go somewhere and they would try to help out, they would teach them all these like, you know, pre-industrial skills mm-hmm. like building a forge, blah, blah, blah. And then it would always go sideways and yep. how every uh, every community would eventually fail. And at least in in some of the cases, it was due to violence, like you said. And there's always some baddie group out there trying to take everybody down. Right. And that is that is kind of that does eventually feel a little bit too repetitive and and like this universe only has a real short list of ways that 
civilization is not going to work in the uh, post-apocalyptic world. That doesn't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess I'm more optimistic than that. I think I am too, but I'm also like, uh, not just optimistic, but people are kind of lazy. And I just think it takes an enormous amount of energy to wait. Like, it, it, like if you are trying to preserve food supply or you're trying to preserve whatever, I just don't think that people are going to all out go and wage like in this particular world, given the range and given like the effort and the the risk of losing all the things scarcity that you've built up and scarcity, I don't think that you're going to go out and basically do this because of the risk of losing what you have already worked so hard for. Yeah. Um, and it's just an enormous amount of effort. Um, I mean, if and, you think of it like a Viking model, right? One of the reasons I don't—I'm not a, stu- a student of history, but I imagine that one of the reasons why Viking going a Viking worked uh, for people like Ragnar Lothbrok and stuff was because they could sail across any number of bodies of water and find poorly protected communities, but like all over the place. Right. And in this world, these communities, unless they are way more common than we think, they're pretty few and far between. Yeah. And And you've got the added risk of the walkers everywhere. Yeah. So it's just, to me, it just doesn't totally make sense on that level. Um, and I know you probably already you probably caught this, but then she mentions that Georgie, who we were introduced to way, way, way back, um, who she was going to kind of help do these things and share knowledge with these communities. Um, Georgie was going to explore uh, a community they had heard about out west. So I'm assuming that has ah. to be a tie in with the world beyond. Um, oh, with uh, with the world beyond, or with the or um, with yeah. God, what are they called? The the Congress? No, nope, right. the Commonwealth. Yeah, yeah, the Commonwealth. So that's kind of an interesting mention. I wonder if we'll hear more. But um, but yeah. in any case, it's you know the the gist of this whole episode is that Maggie at is struggling a little bit with coming back to a community where Negan is, and the sort of wreck that Alexandria and other places, uh, Hilltop specifically, has been raised and. She's, I, I, you know, you see her kind of dealing with, well, you know, I guess things are a little bit different. She even says that about Carol doing what she needed to do. So I think that there is basically because of what she's seen, there is a bit of acceptance in terms of understanding that depending on the stakes and depending on what's happening, you can't necessarily pass judgment on somebody for what they're doing to try to preserve the community um and she even alludes like it's interesting because there's even a moment with daryl where she doesn't want to talk about certain things that happened yet apparently it happened multiple times so that was kind of interesting um and i don't know so so this was basically you know let's set the table for maggie's return and that's kind of what they did um she's also note wearing a hat much like rick so there's that too. So I wonder if that's going to be, not that Maggie can grow a beard or whatever, but maybe we'll get crazy eyed Maggie at some point. Um, mm. But I'm I, not, I'm not so in love with her hat at this point. It felt a little bit too LA hipster to me, but it um, felt a little Robin hood with her, with her quiver of arrows and whatnot going on. Right. Um, yeah. She's like learned a whole new skills set of skills. Uh, she was, she was a gun lady back in the day. Right. And mm-hmm. she, sometimes she used knives and she does throw a knife very accurately. And she's stabbing the, uh, the big guy also at the end in the, in the boss battle. But yeah, it's, it does seem like a different, she has obviously had to learn some new skills in the intervening years, just like, um, Carol became an archer. Um, and at the, the very beginning of this episode, she's talking to Judith. 
And I felt like this was some revisionist stuff here where Judith is talking about how she's convinced RJ that they're all looking at the same stars as his mom. If you recall the end uh, or during 10, 16, uh, season 10, episode 16 and 15, you and I were quite um, troubled by the fact that Judith went from persuading Michonne to abandon her and her brother in order to look for Rick, like this, this like unimaginably irresponsible thing for a parent to do, in my opinion, uh, to just go off and and look for Rick and, and then telling Daryl like, Oh, and I'm completely destroyed by this. Uh, and then now in this episode saying to Maggie and, you know, I'm really talking my little brother into accepting it for, uh, because it's fine and we're all going to be fine. And I feel like the, the writers just keep going back and forth on this. Like, first of all, Judith persuades Michonne to leave. Then she's telling Daryl in 1016, I think how completely destroyed she is. And now in 1017, she's telling Maggie like, yeah. And you know, because of the stars. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you uh, were, were, thinking about those sorts of things too. But uh, I, I, I want them to find a place with Judith where I believe that this nine-year-old or whatever, however old she's supposed to be, has an actual realistic response to both right. of her parents being gone. Right. And I, yeah, it's, it's, and this is something you and I had talked about before, both with Michonne and with Rick um, and with, you know, like just how, it's hard to believe with how they built both those characters to believe that they would actually abandon their child or children. Right. Um, and even though Rick's is a little more understandable because we don't know what his situation we is. We don't. And maybe there's some memory, I don't know, but, but maybe there's some memory issue, something like that. But everything that we know about Rick and about Michonne tells us that this is not something that they would do willingly necessarily so for rick that makes sense if he was kidnapped and maybe they're maybe he they're holding something over his head where they'll be basically be like okay we're gonna kill your your children or something like that that i could maybe believe but michonne is making this decision and obviously we know why because um the actor <laughs> didn't want to be part of this for she was in just kind of done cases. Yeah, yeah in both of these cases so they had to kind of retrofit something or figure out something um but i agree with you i feel like they could do a lot more with judith on that level to make it like she's like she's taking this all pretty pretty easily and i actually was thinking it's just kind of funny that you're talking about this but you know with herschel introducing i'm like oh god can somebody please write a normal child character on the show where they're like having, you know, these are children that are raised in this. So you're, you're not, I, not that like, I, I like, I do like some of the things they've done with Judith. I like how she's very matter of fact about some of the situations in some ways she's sort of nonchalant because this is something she's just grown up with. So she doesn't have the fear that other people do because this is just the way of life. Um, yeah. But I don't know that this kid would be as well adjusted as she seems to be. Um, and similarly, the whole idea that Maggie would have left Herschel in that camp um, for any amount of time, knowing that they were potentially being stalked, even though they said they were being careful and all that kind of thing i just find especially given how she lost glenn this is something that is hard for me to believe about her character um so i'm hoping that the way that they're writing herschel thus far we only have that you know he seems to be somewhat savvy to be able to climb a tree and hide um so i'm hoping that it's not just 
And again, this this goes way, way back to the writing of Carl. So so let's maybe see some better kid characters here. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, we will have to see. And they're really trying. I mean, if you watch the Angela Kang um, kind of monologue or whatever, her description of what they were shooting for at the end of this episode, which I think is really great content. Yeah. Um, she's talking about how she's trying to blend Maggie's personality with Glenn's and how mm-hmm. Glenn was a little bit. And they had actually some clips from episode or season one, which I thought were really, really kind of like a cra- crazy throwback where Glenn is talking about how he got a cool car after a dangerous run to downtown Atlanta and a few other things where you're like, yeah, Glenn was a little bit goofy when we first met him. Yep. He got way more serious after the prison. Yep. But um, he was pretty goofy at the first part. Uh, for yeah, the first couple I mean, and, and he injected a little bit of fun into things. And so you could, you know, Glenn was definitely a little bit more more of the I don't want to say comic relief, but he was a bit of a breath of fresh air for a bit. And as you said, he got much more serious, understandably, when you see the things that happened. Um, but yeah, I thought that was kind of a good thing. And I and I definitely recommend, hopefully they'll put that interview out, maybe not just limit it to the AMC+. Plus, but um, I liked the interview with her. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I miss Glenn. I, I seriously, there was something that popped up, which was pretty funny. Um, I don't know. It probably just popped up because of my my particular taste, but it was like a clip from a Conan O'Brien interview, um, and it showed one of the it, they were giving uh, giving them a hard time. Conan was giving um, uh, Stephen Yoon. Stephen Yoon, and but it was it. He was giving him a very hard time with his kissing technique for his first kiss with. Um, Lauren Cohen. Lauren Cohen, and it was like it was kind of hilarious. You should go back and watch it because Conan's just like so. This is it, it, you know Stephen Yoon takes it in. He he has a very nice sense of humor about it, but it's like way way back um, when before you know before before Glenn was cool because he was kind of like a dork, right? Like that yeah. was the deal. Um, well, Maggie's definitely the dom in that relationship at first. She she takes him to the to the. Uh, what is it? The pharmacy, and then like has her way with him. Yep. Um, so they that's the that's what they're kind of playing on. So it's kind of fun to go back and look at that stuff. Um, and Stephen Yoon is getting you know he's he's getting some some good parts these days. So I'm happy. Yeah, to he see just came him. out with a um, like a, a an immigration story, right? Like a fam first generation. Korean yeah, family moves um, to the U.S. It's somewhere. called uh, Minari, um, and supposedly it's it's pretty good. And I wanna I wanna check that out. But um, he's been kind of hitting the interview circuit. So I have to say, when I saw things pop up with him, it made me happy because I think he's a really talented actor. And so I want to see a lo- him in a lot more. So yeah, I want to see him in more leads. Yeah, agreed. So he had that one in uh, the movie that we th- reviewed, uh, Mayhem, I think it was called. Yep. Yep. But yeah, I'd like to see him in more stuff. Oh, yeah. And he's just incredibly charming and talented. So I just want to see him, you know, do do really well outside of the world of of Walking Dead. So um, I don't know if he speaks Korean fluently, but it would be cool if he could make his way into the train to Busan universe. Yeah, it would be. That would be kind of cool. Um, and, you know, I don't think that in any way he thinks negatively about his time on Walking Dead. I think he actually uh, would. Didn't he, didn't he have a quote? Um, I feel like Screen Rant, one of these kind of clickbaity news sites, had said uh, he 
didn't re- he didn't regret leaving the show at all or something along those lines well, as opposed I mean, to um Andrew Lincoln who has been quoted saying I really regret having left the show well I don't think that he saying you regret like I think he was ready to move on and to do other things and then this kind of role um that he has is an example of that because he's been trying out a lot of different things um you know he he already like has said that he was worried that once he left the show that everything would be kind of more the same. And I think that that is the danger when you have a, a show like this and where you're such a like pivotal character in a, in a zombie genre show that, and that's, you know, the mayhem and, and things like that. Like, I think he was worried that he would get typecast. And I think that is, again, it's a danger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that he sought out some sort of more interesting and different types of roles. And so his profile probably hasn't been quite as large. But um, in this case, I'm really psyched to see him out there. But I don't think he regrets being on the show. I think he was just probably ready to leave. And he has said that. And he talks fondly about his time there um, on the show. It's interesting to look at this whole universe and how they view some actors and how others have been misused. And, like, there are people who left the show because they were not loving the way that they were getting used, right? Like the guy who played Jesus was basically like, yeah, I'm done. There have been several others along those lines who just, like the guy who played, uh, oh God, what was his name? Braids, Ponytail, Heath, Heath. Ah, uh, yeah, Heath, yeah, no, and I do think- Because that dude went on to do a bunch of movies and that was, like, he, he just got too busy, I think, and he was like 25th in line to be lead on the show, yeah. so- it made sense, but well, look, his character do... was in the comics for a really long time, so- Yeah, no, that's true, and I think Stephen Yoon, I mean, I think that- Glenn as a character, sure, they could have done a lot more with him and Maggie. But to me, I think he probably left at the perfect time for his character and for his acting because his star was still there. It wasn't, it was sort of like peak Glenn, I guess. Um, And everybody was so bereft at his leaving the show. Like, I think that that actually probably opened the door for other things. And maybe for him as an actor, look, I think that this kind of show and a show with this weight of the fandom is, it can be really difficult to manage. Um, And I think Andrew Lincoln found that too. Um, And was just probably exhausted. So even though he somewhat regrets it now, I think... I think that there is, you know, just sort of a level of exhaustion you must have, um, which makes you wonder about the willpower and, you know, the people, the people like characters like Daryl and Carol. Um, Maybe, maybe it's helpful to have like some moments off screen and and look, even Lauren Cohan, she like went to do that pilot that unfortunately crashed and burned. But um, maybe it's just that you need kind of a break and the writers, if they can give you the space to do that, that's a a positive thing. But for Stephen Mm. Yoon, I really do think that he chose probably the perfect time to leave and he left with a bang and um he left like and and basically had a very specific idea about the things that he wanted to do next and and so it would be really cool to see him up um because there's talk of him being nominated or was he nominated for best actor i think for this new for this new project i Um, haven't seen the the nomination so i I would be really surprised if he got to choose his time of exit because him getting like Glenn getting murdered by Negan is a pretty central and major part of the story in the books. And they could have changed it up. Abraham obviously was also killed by saviors, but not there. And he had been killed several issues before that, I think. 
it could have been by Dwight, but I mean, the, the when he was just like shot in the head by an arrow, kind of the same way that the doctor lady ends yeah. up going out. Um, yeah, and uh, look, I know, I know he maybe didn't fully choose it, but I do think he was ready, and um, I think that ultimately, it's as I said, it's just cool to see him doing different things, and I'm totally psyched to see him in more. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping that this trend continues and I'm hoping that he does get, I'm hoping that he wins something. And even if he's just nominated, um, I've just, I honestly would like to see him in a lot more stuff. It would be good to see his, him out there and, and have his star rise, rise pretty big, you know? So I want to find out more about, uh, Elijah. <clears throat> I like the way he kind of just bounces around and runs sprints at zombies when he sees them. Um, I, I, we know that Connie's alive. The audience knows that Connie's alive. So I think they really need to bring her back soon because otherwise yeah. this is a lot of waiting around for nothing. And so I hope that um, we don't have to watch Kelly running away from her guard post too many more times. Uh, like we get it, uh, you know, but they need to they need to reintroduce Connie. Uh, I want to find out what's going on with Elijah. I think he is a fascinating character. They've definitely introduced some cool weapons like his two little I, I don't know what those are called, but I feel like they're influenced by they're inspired by ninja weaponry. Are they size? I'm not sure. There's little tiny scythes yeah. um, about the length of your forearm and Cole. I think he's using his knives wrong, but he has these two really cool saber length um yeah, machetes, I guess, but they're all serrated. They're quite thin, though, and he's using them to hack, but I feel like those are stabbing weapons. And yeah. So, uh, and also, don't you just get a bad vibe from Cole? Don't you think he's probably a bad guy? Yeah, he probably is. I think there's, just, to me, there's he's got to be an insider, and um, the, the big sort of tip-off for me is like how quote-unquote careful they were to not be tracked, so there has to be an inside person, and he seems to me the most obvious um, since, you know, this, well, he's, he's when we, yeah. and his, since, uh, Elijah doesn't really talk and you and I both got the baddie vibes off of him. I, I'm suspecting we're probably right here. Or we're just falling for their writer's room trap. Maybe. Of, Let's maybe. make Cole kind of a douche because they show up and he's like, yeah, so our last house got burned down. We want to move in with you guys. Mm -hmm. Oh, your, your house has been burned down too. Well, this is going to suck. Yeah. Like he's just. <laughs> He just yeah. shows up and he's immediately kind of a dick. And so it's it's a little tough to 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 handle. But yeah, so well, it'll be interesting to see how these three Maggie I'm feeling kind of just annoyed by. And that's not fair. I should give her some room to show us what she's going to bring to the table. But so far, I'm just a little bit annoyed. Yeah, well, because I yeah, I'm upset. annoyed, but I'm still happy it's back. And, and that's outweighing yes. any slight disappointment i had in this episode. oh no i'm not saying that i'm like disappointed by the show if anything this is me being engaged with the show but you know because in any show you're gonna have characters that you're rooting for and characters you kind of want to not do great or i, I don't know I, I don't want maggie to like fail i just kind of want her to come around on her emotional journey that's all all right. Well, if you have any thoughts about this episode, please send us an email, reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us, reanimatedpcast, um, or just leave a note on the site, uh, reanimatedpodcast.com. Um, and until next time, stay safe and ciao. All right. Yeah. Join us again next time when we continue this journey into episode well, 18, I guess. And thanks for listening and goodbye. Bye.